Welcome to Homeschool Companion, your source for information, motivation, and inspiration. If you're part of the homeschool community or simply interested in learning more about home-based education, stay tuned. Together we'll examine the latest resources, learning styles, and teaching techniques. We'll speak with experts in the field to help you uncover every homeschool advantage. We'll also present suggestions on how to keep Christ in the curriculum as we explore fresh ways to teach and learn. Here's your homeschool companion host, author, educator, and children's ministry specialist, Dr. Rose Gamblin. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here with us. You know, I've started uh, going back to doing stories at the beginning of the program so that if mom needs to get a cup of tea and sit back and relax a moment, she can do that. Or dad, whoever's helping you with your studies. The title of our story is Ethel's Lonely Journey, and it's taken from Guide's Mystery Stories. So this is in her own words. I was 11 years old and walking along with my 13-year-old brother, Rolf. Our parents walked along the wagon, too, to keep an eye on the team, and the baby rode inside on a big feather pillow box. Rolf had stepped nearer to me and said, Sis, didn't you hear Papa say that we were going to a godless country? Yes, I had heard Papa say that there were no churches or kind pastors. What were we going to do? And why were we going to a place like that, a godless country? We rode for some time in the quiet, just rolling along. In those days, everybody was traveling to where they needed to go in covered wagons. And Dad had just purchased new land. The land claim, the land claim we were moving to had been filed by another, but my father had bought the 160 acres from the first owner through an agency. At last, we saw a clump of cottonwood and dark green cedars dotting the landscape. All along our trail, there had been mesquite, its long dry pods filled with huge beans that rattled in our ears when the wind blew. But for the past hour or so, there had been few mesquite, only the tall, rich prairie grass that covered rolling ground like a blanket. Well, we'll have no hot supper tonight, Rolf said crossly. We can't risk a prairie fire. At last, we settled down for the evening. Dad couldn't build a fire, so we had bread and cheese. Just before he went to eat, Papa gave thanks for many things, things that I'd never dreamed that we had, and he asked for God's blessing, and he poured out more thankfulness. I wondered why he would pray if he was deliberately moving away from God. After we had eaten, a straw mattress and bedding were brought out, but Papa and Rolf always slept under the wagon. I slept in the crowded wagon with Mama and baby sister. Well, tonight, Father didn't go right to bed. Instead, he seemed a little uneasy. A strange sort of evening, he said. A mighty strange sort. I began to get worried. I saw the horses were quite restless. In fact, even Dad said, they sense something that we can't see beyond the ridge. You all stay here and I will go and look. We watched as Dad disappeared into the background. When Dad returned, he said, There's a camp of some sort over there. It's very close. I saw what could be a tent, and of course there's horses, but it's too dark to make out much. The strangest thing was that I thought I could hear a voice calling. Maybe it was a coyote. 
Oh, Papa, let's get in the wagon and drive on as fast as we can, Rolf said. It could be the outlaws we heard about. Mother was thoughtful for a moment. Did the cry sound like a human voice, dear? Well, I couldn't be sure, said Papa. Maybe if someone's in trouble, it it would be our responsibility to help him. Let's all go slowly over the ridge and take a closer look. As we reached the top of the rise, we were startled when our horses made messages to the horses in the strange encampment, and then we heard it, the faraway cry. Oh, if only it was daylight. Then we heard the voice again. It was human, and it was calling for help, though it sounded muffled. We all ran toward this stack of vertical poles. Papa flashed the lantern into the darkness of the deep hole. A voice cried out, filled with overwhelming thankfulness. Oh, thank God someone has found me. In a few minutes, Dad and Rolf had the man out of the well. It had kind of collapsed when he was digging it. God is here, the man exclaimed, right in this lonely place. I doubted it for a time, down in the well with no way on earth to get out. I knew there was no need to call. There was nobody around, but God heard, and he turned your wagons my way. Well, I will tell you this, the name of the person who wrote this story, Ethel. She says, why had I ever forgotten the promise that Jesus gave his children? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Matthew twenty-eight twenty, And may that be your verse and prayer today. Dear Jesus, I pray for each of our listeners. I pray that they can sense your love around them and that you care so much about them and the, what they what might seem insignificant to others that you really care about it. Be with our young people and the anointing on their lives. All this I pray in thy holy name. Amen. Ta-da! Arts and crafts. Well, I don't know about you, but I, as a young person, love to study about cowboys and Indians and Oregon Trail. And so I put in my Pinterest site, Oregon Trail Unit Study. It uses living books, hands-on STEAM activities, English language arts, history, fine gross motor skills, poetry and folk tales. And the cool thing about it is that, of course, even though this uh, this one's rated for pre-K through second grade, there are some enrichment activities that go along with it. So if you are into whole family learning, this is a great thing to do. So be sure and go check out Oregon Trail Unit Studies. It's, it's on my board that's uh, Guides Greatest Mystery Stories. Curriculum Corner. I thought maybe I'd do a series on different things that you learn playing games. Many families have adopted a game night, and some families want to know what kinds of learning is happening through these games because they use it as part of their homeschool journey. So let's start with Uno. After all, Uno says one, so we'll start with a game that's number one. 
With Uno, young children learn colors, they learn numbers, but probably one of the most important things they learn is how to lose or how to deal with negative emotions. It's so nice to be practicing how to deal with negative emotions when the stakes are not that high. It's just a game after all. Another thing kids do is they learn to play fair. And playing fair means that you follow the rules. Now, on the other side of that is it can also be a time for imagination. I bought my grandson a Uno game that has on it where you can put some funny rules in. You you write it in and then you can erase it and change it again the next thing. So, you know, he's very imaginative. He wrote that you had to take off your socks and smell your feet or your neighbor's foot, something terribly, uh, <laughs> terribly hard to do. We all did not want to get that card, but it created such a fun memory and we were just giggling so hard. There's also life lessons that parents can teach through these different games and we'll talk about another one tomorrow. So as you're playing Uno, just remember you are learning. Questions parents ask. So this is from Angela. I'm new to unschooling. I've done regular homeschooling with my oldest and some public school for the past two years. And I'm looking into getting back into homeschooling, but I'm not sure where to start. Well, if you've been listening to my show, you probably do know where to start. You first think of your own philosophy and what you want to accomplish with your child. And since you, it sounds like you've had some public school or maybe your child's recently been in public school. So I would recommend that you do some de-schooling, which just helps us to enjoy and learn from our everyday existence. The danger is that parents will let their kids be on the computer and that is not unschooling. That is just letting your children learn whatever they happen to run across, which can be very dangerous when you just let them be on the screen. So I always say, if you're going to unschool, that's great, but no screens. No screens, period. You unschool by cooking the meals. You unschool by going out and cleaning out the horse stalls, feeding the chickens, cleaning the chicken coop up, planting the gardens. You unschool by developing a little business that you might like to do, learning to play an instrument, learning to do a language. It's almost it, it's almost more work to truly unschool because there's different things that parents put in the way of the child, hoping that the child will come across it and learn it. I have parents when they're unschooling spend a good deal of time the night before strewing throughout the house and for the kids it's really exciting because it's almost like a treasure hunt. What are we going to discover tomorrow that we might like to learn? So you know that's probably my advice if you want to take it. Well we've come to the end of our show. Our guest is going to be Greg Davis. And Greg Davis wrote a book called Standing Strong in the Storm. And most of us are in a storm of one way, one storm or another. I hope you'll stay tuned with us because this is going to be a great interview. We'll be right back. You have been listening to Homeschool Companion. 
a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com. I'm here with Greg Davis. He's a pastor, a Bible teacher, and we and, and I'm holding in my hand this beautiful book called Standing Strong in the Storm. And folks, if you aren't in currently in a storm, you have been in a storm or you will be in a storm. And you know, I'm always saying that we're in enemy occupied territory and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the show, Greg. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. I just think it helps families, uh, you know, say, man, I hope that those values are instilled in my children, or or maybe I should parent, uh, you know, change a little bit of my parenting. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about uh, your childhood and how it has helped you or uh, where you are today. Okay. Well, uh, uh my childhood, it, I grew up in a very, very small town in West Tennessee. And uh, one of the interesting stories about my childhood is that in the second grade, I met uh, a young girl who was the new kid in school. She had moved from a different town because her father had just been killed mm. uh, by a drunk driver on, you know, in an accident. And anyway, we immediately met, immediately became very close friends, immediately became sweethearts, and she is actually my wife. Second grade. Second grade. (laughs) We've, uh, we just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary, but we've been sweethearts for about 52 years. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you very much. And so anyway, yes, I did grow up in a small town and, and I I did, uh, you know, take some, some bad detours, you know, away from the Lord. But before I was right before I was 15, I really got serious about uh, serving the Lord with 100 percent growing, studying the word, uh, you know, just learning how to become a disciple. And uh, a couple of years after that, after I was very serious about serving the Lord, he called me to ministry. So if you want to know more, please go to gregdavisonline.com. You can even go there while you're listening to this show. Uh, because sometimes it's good to see who we are talking to. Standing strong in the storm. The first chapter says wishing for a nightmare, and I have never seen anybody wish for a nightmare, so I'm curious as to how that relates to life. Okay. Uh, The reason for that is, uh, of course, you know, the standing strong in the storm is a story about the adversity that our family has gone through. And, uh, and so, like I say, I've been, I've been pastoring for decades. And, and uh, so anyway, the reason that I titled the chapter that is because the morning after my first child was born, I woke up and wished that what had happened the day before mm-hmm. was just a nightmare. Because after eight years, oh. after eight years of infertility and trying to have children, all of a sudden, we got victory over infertility, and our first child was born. My son was born, but the day he was born that afternoon, we discovered that he had five heart defects, mm. and they didn't even know that he was going to live. 
And so when I woke up the next morning, I was wishing that all of that in my mind had oh. been a nightmare and not the reality. Oh, that so makes sense. I, I, I mean, I, uh, one of my co-hosts went through fertility treatments eventually after some stillbirths and things had two children two viable children but because of all the infertility medication you know then she later succumbed to cancer Mm. and what a what a wish I wish I wish this whole world was a nightmare (laughs) when you when you look at it like that that we're not really going through these storms so then your son, and what was his name again? His name is Colton. Colton. Your son, Colton. Six heart um, deformities? Uh, or five. Five He had heart five heart, heart defects. Heart. So what did, uh, then the nightmare continued? Or <laughs> Well, it's very interesting because when I woke up, I was wishing for a nightmare that, you know, that, it, that none of this was actually reality. But one of the things that's a, a powerful thought in chapter one is because that morning when I opened my Bible to read and, and to pray after realizing that this wasn't a nightmare, this actually happened. And my son, I didn't even know if he was going to live or not. Um, and so I opened my Bible and, you know, I'm not one of those pick and poke guys just like open the Bible and just see whatever it is. But that morning, my Bible opened to Psalm 9, 1, chapter 9, verse 1. And that verse talks about, it says, I will praise you with my whole heart. And as soon as I read that verse, it was like light came into the room and the Holy Spirit basically injected into my spirit and said, your son is going to praise me with a whole heart. And so in that moment... Nothing changed, but everything changed. Nothing had changed in the circumstances yet, but everything changed in my perception because I knew at that moment that God was going to keep his hand on my son and he was going to be okay. And he, he went through a lot of more adversity, uh, but the fact is that God brought him through everything and he has countless times stood in the presence of God and given praise to God with his whole heart. You know, we love it when the story turns out the way we hope that our our storms will turn out, that we'll come to the other side of the storm and everything's okay. But did you ever have a storm where it wasn't okay? Well, we suffered many, many situations and um, and, you know, So the answer is kind of yes and kind of no, because um, over about a 30-year period, our family navigated 12 life-threatening health attacks, and the one with Colton the day he was born was only the first one. And, uh, And so essentially he, by the time he was 17 years old, he had endured six open heart surgeries and a bunch of other heart procedures. And so, uh, you know, one of the most difficult situations was that the last two open heart surgeries he had were within the same week because of a major complication. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, anyway, but just like everything else, God brought him through it and brought him through it to recover and to be healthy and to go ahead and be able to live his life. And so uh, after, you know, my, my wife almost died from an autoimmune disease when Colton was only two years old. And then we adopted an orphan from China two weeks after her first birthday. But within 30 days after returning to the United States, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so the very next day, she had a 12-hour emergency brain surgery and uh, and then a year of chemotherapy and radiation at St. Jude. And then several years of of therapies because they said they didn't think she was going to live. They didn't know if Colton was going to live. They didn't know if my wife was going to live after her situation. And they didn't know that if Anna Grace was going to live. But they said if she did, she would might not ever actually learn how to walk or talk because of potential damage to her brain. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, a couple more situations with my son. And then I almost died a couple of years ago of a massive heart attack. And then three months after that, I was diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. But every storm that God brought us to, he brought us through in miraculous victory. We are all still alive. We're all healthy. My son has actually played sports, if you can imagine, being athletic with all that situation with your heart. My wife is in great health. She doesn't have to take the medicines that they told her she would have to take for the rest of her life. My daughter is now 23 years old, and not only did she learn how to talk, But all the way from kindergarten to her graduating year in high school, she was two years ahead of her grade level on language and vocabulary. And so that is a miracle. It's all miracles. And she's now finished three years of college. She's uh, uh, she's amazing. She's beautiful. She's smart. And uh, she was a face of St. Jude in 2006 when she was only six years old. She was their national campaign. You know, don't you think that um, as we go through these experiences that other people are watching? Mm -hmm. And... And, and they might be saying, "Well, man, they had it turned. That turned out good for them." Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, you might you've made it through that storm, but until we are finally redeemed and God has brought us home, we still have another storm looming yeah. in the horizon. Jesus told us, "In this world, you were going to have trouble," but He also told us that in Him. We can have peace. And the Lord has brought us through not just surviving, but actually thriving in the middle of all this amazing adversity. We're all incredibly healthy, and and God has blessed us beyond our imagination. And he is now using us to be able to encourage and equip other people with the lessons that God taught us that helped us to not only survive, but thrive in the middle of a storm. Amen. Well, we've been talking with Greg Davis, Pastor Greg, Greg Davis, and tomorrow we'll talk about how you can survive in your storms. I hope you'll be come back and hear part two of this interview. With that, I have one last thing to say, and that is God bless. You have been listening to Homeschool Companion, a production of MRG Media. Be sure to join us on Facebook. Just type in the name Homeschool Companion. 
For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.